0: Welcome to Writers Talking, the podcast where we take writers and readers behind the scenes, sharing the stories within the stories. No scripts, no filters, and no holds barred as we talk about what really happens for writers as they write, edit, publish, and promote their work. Hi, I'm Anjanette Fennell, agent, editor, and writerly mentor who's worked with hundreds of writers to break through their creative challenges to uncover the stories they feel compelled to share. Now, let's get talking. Cultural critic and historian Larissa Reinhardt writes about art, war, politics, and the places where these discourses intersect. Her writing has recently appeared in Hyperallergic, Perfect Strangers, and Narratively, among other publications. She holds an MA from NYU in Experimental Humanities and a BA in Literature from UC Santa Cruz, when not riding, she can be found photographing the natural world, impinging upon the urban landscape, or digging in the dirt with her husband and two sons in Santa Barbara, California. Tracy Dawson is the author of Let Me Be Frank, a book about women who dress like men to do shit they weren't supposed to do, out with HarperCollins in 2022. Tracy is an award-winning actress and a TV writer who began her career at The Second City in Toronto. She was a writer and lead actor on the Canadian sitcom Call Me Fitz, and went on to win the Gemini Award and the Canadian Screen Award for Best Lead Actress in a Comedy Series for her work opposite Jason Priestley, on that show. Those are like Canadian versions of the Emmy and Golden Globe. So yeah, not too shabby. Tracy was born in Ottawa, Canada, and currently lives in Los Angeles with her life partner, Isaac, who is a dog. Find her on Instagram and Twitter, both at Dawson Tracy. I absolutely adored this conversation with Tracy and Larissa. There is adult language. So if you have little ears around you, now's the time to use your headphones or wait for a more private space. I hope you enjoy as much as we did. This is definitely a to-be-continued conversation. Obviously, having read both your books, and I think especially yours, like the the theme, the overall theme that Larissa had suggested, I thought was really great. Because number one, biography, if I'm honest, and I'd already told her this, if you listen yeah. to the podcast, I'm not naturally drawn to biography. Because predominantly, there are so many biographies about men. And mm-hmm. I'm not Saying down with men. I'm just saying I'm bored. Like, i enough. enough. We we heard I've that heard story already. Right. Whereas yeah. for both of you, your mm. books are entertaining and appealing, and they've got that narrative. I mean, yours is obviously totally hilarious, Tracy. So thank you. I I want to dive in. We should keep this part in the recording. (laughs) Look, there'll be plenty of that. I was super excited to have the pair of you, Larissa. Welcome back to the podcast, but welcome to the podcast, Tracy. So for anyone who hasn't already read, let me be frank go out and get it please go out and get it especially if you're a woman but even more so I want to get my boys I've got an 18 year old and a 16 year old who I'd like to twist their arm into reading it can sometimes be a challenge for for them to want to read anymore but it is history that I had no idea about most of them there were certain mm-hmm. names that sort of popped out mm-hmm. and, I, and I recognized, but always told in a way that I wasn't expecting. And there's a lot clearly of you in there. Thank you.
1: I mean, thank, thanks for the welcome. I'm really excited to just, I love that we're going to just like hang and chat or whatever. And exactly. thanks for the compliments. You get get those teenage boys to read the book. Honestly, the men that read the book, when they reach out to me, like they're so like, they have so many feelings and I love it so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're really affected by the book and, and that just makes me warm all over.
0: I think this goes back to what I'd said at the beginning, possibly before we were officially recording, which was my preference has never been for biography, but I think it's because of the way that biography has been approached. Mm. And the similarity that I have for both of your books, even though the tone is different, Mm -hmm. is it is real truth and lives shared on the page in a way that's accessible to more Mm. people. So I would say, have you gotten feedback from men as well, Larissa, that you were pleased, surprised about? Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean... Uh, Some not, uh, but mostly, absolutely. I think if I am to be honest, a lot of times men don't even approach women's histories and women's stories. And when they are presented with a woman's history, like right, mine is very much couched in military history, which is largely the purview of male readers. Mm. So that kind of sucks them in. And then what I've tried to do, as Tracy does as well, is create an atmosphere of familiarity Mm. at in which you can feel empathy and even like like a friend a friendliness towards the subject right and so they the feedback that I have gotten you know likewise men have a lot of feelings about Dickie Chappelle and you know just to sort of open it up I'm I've been thinking a lot about biography as a as a a genre right I just sold my next book which is also a biography yay (laughs)
1: Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Very so excited about
2: that. But just as a way to introduce and get people, not just men, but also women excited about and interested in women's history in a way that our forerunners have certainly done, but perhaps there is room to expand upon. Mm.
0: This brings me to something that occurred to me as I was reading both of your books, and we talked a little bit about it, Larissa. But you have so many different sort of profiles, i call them mm-hmm. in yours Tracy when it comes to not only discovering who you're going to write about because Larissa you knew I'd love to dive into how you chose the per- particular histories that that you'd shared in your book Tracy but is it harder to find multiple credible sources for mm-hmm. some of these women it seemed like there were times in your book Tracy where you were stitching things together and it was wonderful yeah. because then you were having a conversation with the reader Always we were breaking that fourth wall where you're talking directly to them, which, by the way, I absolutely loved. It made it compulsive reading because I felt like an active, I don't know, I was literally in it Mm, Thank you you and and chatting. But it did make me think, there was one in particular, and I can't remember who it was. Was it it Dorothy Lawrence? Dorothy Lawrence? Yeah, where you're getting these things and everybody has an opinion. So they're writing history, probably men mostly. And that's what you have to go to in terms of sources and references and research. And yet either number one, there isn't one story. So you can say this sounds more like fact, but it's sort of opinion or they're extrapolating. She did this And there may be a man is saying, therefore, this is why she did it. And you were often giving an alternate view. And it made me think, how hard is it? Number one, women aren't written about as much. And number two, when they are written about, who wrote it? Was it them? Mm -hmm. I trust that. Was it someone else? Yeah. Yeah. That's something I try to
1: address in the book, like at the very outset, which is like, you know, I'm looking at, you know, what was left off the page. And if there was, you know, who was writing history and it was like old white guys, right? And so I, when I was, I mean, I didn't go, I went in with that sort of idea of like questioning history in a way, but also I didn't really expect to be faced with so many things That I wanted to share with the reader. Like, we need to question when we're in classrooms. We need to, we need to ask, we need to like dig a little deeper sometimes that we need to, you know. I'm trying to engage. That's why I'm so happy to hear you say that you felt like you were in it because, like, I feel like I'm really engaging. Like, I'm saying to you, like, sit down, let's talk about this. Like, let's get into this together. I'm not keeping my subjects at arm's length because I'm like super passionate about it and super excited about it. In terms of sources, I had someone who was like a research type person, and and they were like, hey, just so you know, like, you're a researcher, like, and I was <laughs> I was like, I am, because th-? they were like, did you see your bibliography? It's gigantic. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's non- <laughs> and it's- Selected. I loved that. I kept reading. Selected. I mean, they said, they said selected. I said, oh, does that mean I don't have to include anything, everything? They're like, no, you have to include it. Cause that's my first book, right? So I just thought maybe I just select what I want to be in the bibliography. And they were like, no, if you quote something, you have to include it in the bibliography. Like, so of course, of course it's still selected because there's things that I read and I learned, but I don't directly quote or whatever. Yeah. But I wanted there to be multiple sources And because I am, it felt like being a sleuth. It felt like I'm not going to trust this one dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, as I uncovered, you know, even in in scholarly sexism. And so I wanted to sort of like read between the lines or something that was like something that was thrown off as like a in passing, like a throwaway. Mm I'd be like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's almost like you're saying, telling to the person who's talking to you, like, stop, stop, stop. Wait, go back to that thing because that thing speaks to me me. Like that's the thing that you're trying to bury about this incredible woman. Because oftentimes, as I say, in one of the chapters, like sometimes these people, their stories were almost put together because they were footnotes in the stories of great men. I say in quotation marks, it's just like, oh, you mean Jean Baret who like circumnavigated the globe for like the first woman to do that. And she did it disguised as a man. Like she's only mentioned as a footnote in other great men's stories get the hell out of here. So, um, (laughs) and then there was another part to your question, which is like, how do I choose? And it was just like, I was really lucky that I had a very specific, specific thesis that I was trying to like address. I would never use the word thesis. Like I'm, (laughs) (laughs) you're a researcher. See, this is not an academic book. It was like, you know, when so the, so just for anyone listening, the book, the full title is Let Me Be Frank, a book about women who dressed like men to do shit they weren't supposed to do. Right. And so I knew that I didn't want them just to be people that were disguised, although there are people that, uh, utilized disguise in order to break a rule or to do something they weren't supposed to do, but also Also, people that, you know, wrote a book under a male pseudonym because that was what all the Bronte sisters did their entire lives and that they never published under their real names. And a lot of people who are book lovers don't even know that. They don't know that the Bronte sisters never published using their real names. Jane Austen never published using her name while they were living. So I wanted to include people that could fit into a disguise who took on a pseudonym, etc. So it's not like I had a lot of people that didn't get included. Like I was doing research and if I found them and their story was compelling,
0: like I wanted to include them. Well, it's good. That's for anyone who's used to listening to me bang on about this stuff, especially if you're writing nonfiction, that's part of what creates the container. So whether you're writing biography, which is still not necessarily going from birth to death, Mm. or memoir, even more important that you find that container, because anytime you are doing something that's research heavy, you have to have a way of, of filtering out or Automatically recognizing, oh, this is something I want to put in. So even having that subtitle, if it wasn't exactly that subtitle at the beginning, you had, as you'd said, the thesis, which makes you sound very <laughs> academic. And you're right. The tone of your book is way more accessible than something that somebody's written for, for academia to get their PhD or something. But starting it's with
1: that, I, as I was starting to, now, as I was reading Larissa's book about Dickie, and I really connected to this part where her editors or her bosses were saying, like, mm-hmm. take yourself out of the story. I was like, that's me. Like, I was like, I loved it because it's like, that was her style. She adopted this style. Like, she was invested. She cared. She was, I just felt, I was like, I'm going to love this book, you know, because mm-hmm. she, she, even though she was, she didn't disguise, she, it's, it, it, she doesn't fit into Let Me Be Frank as a subject matter, but she, does in terms of someone that like went her own way and the way that she told stories was like she wasn't at arm's length with her subject matter. At least that's what it sounded like in in what I'm and where I'm going and where I'm. Oh, yeah, no,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. You're exactly right. She was very invested in her story. And as you are in your book, that really comes across. And yeah, she wanted to be both empathetic and sympathetic to the people that she was reporting on. But I do just want to jump back to something that you were saying, Tracy, about, you know, finding women in the footnotes, finding their incredible stories. So many times, as you pointed out, women's stories are written by white men who want women to fit into a box and they're not allowed to be more than what this box is and so even if right they have these incredible accomplishments they'll stuff them into the box or they'll deny evidence notwithstanding that they did these things and so i was (laughs) And I don't want to get too heavy, right? But I was just rereading Joan of Arc before this, um, your your chapter on Joan of Arc, and before this, you know, before we came on, I just opened the book to random, just sort of, you know, get inspired to, for this conversation. And don't, like society, the patriarchal society is so hell bent on keeping women in the box; that they would burn them at the stake mm-hmm. if they step too far outside of the box. So, mm-hmm. as historians, when we go back and we look at these stories of women, it is so important to question the narratives around them and be emboldened to say, no, that is not what the facts state. That is not what is happening here. It is actually an incredible woman who is forging her own path, who is doing what she believes, who is listening to the voices in her head, right? To do what she knows is right. And I really feel that Dickie does fall into that category, right? At a time when There are very few women correspondents. She was out there. And at a time before sort of this very close and personal type of journalism wasn't accepted, wasn't the sort of general practice, that's what she did because she knew that was the best way for her to tell the stories that she was reporting on. And lo and behold, right, a few years later during the Vietnam War era, that became the, you know, journalistic style. Her form of investigative journalism became what everyone practiced. And yet no one talks about her in that evolution because Mm. she was an outlier, because it was an accident, because she couldn't have possibly known what she was doing when in fact she very well knew what she was doing.
0: Wow. I mean,
1: you could apply all the things that you just said to so many people in my book. And I think that's Mm -hmm. quite so great that we're talking today. It's awesome because it's like, Dorothy Lawrence. It was 1915 when she got on the ferry from Folkestone, England, to cross over to France. Because why? She wanted to be a journalist. She wanted to mm-hmm, report yeah, on the war. Yeah. She was like, "This is in my book as well." I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I have to remember that the list, the list, people listening might not have. That's read the okay. Book. So it she <laughs> she gets in. She gets on the ferry. She's 19 years old, and she's like, "I need a scoop if I'm going to be taken seriously as as a female journalist, right?" So mm-hmm. here we have it's 1915, and then I'm reading the story about Dickie, and like she says, you know. She's getting in that plane. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's doing those nose dives. I'm just like, "Oh my god, how much?" And they they laughed in her they laughed in Dorothy Lawrence's face. They laughed mm-hmm. in her face, but she persisted. She did it herself without the the war office supporting her. No newspaper gave her an assignment. Did it herself. She disguised herself as a man. She made it to the front. She was in the trenches before they found her out. And, you know, she wrote a book about it and she was, she was laughed at. She was called a freak in the press. Like they reviewed the book and it's like, I, I love her book. I've read every page of that book. It's available on Google books and <laughs> she's funny. And she's self-deprecating and she's passionate about what, what she's doing. And, and so I just feel like, oh, my gosh, look, however many years later, because I mean, when Dickie started reporting, you know, h- look how much had changed in those decades, you know, mm-hmm. for a woman to be able, even though she was an outlier, she was a journalist. And she was like, I'm going to learn how to take photographs and I'm going to get in planes that do nosedives. I mean, it's just like, I just can't wait to finish this book. I'm really <laughs> I was just so into it. Well,
0: okay. I I noticed, too. And look, I'm at an age where when they said journalist, when I was growing up, it was always very, it's very objective. You're just reporting fact. And there are some ways, and I'm sorry, you guys are in the US and you're dealing with, it's like, whatever, ramp up. I love the beginning of your book, Tracy. I really identify with, mm-hmm. with a frustration about 2016. But I will say this, we've swung this other way where things are reported as facts. And I thought I fell in the place where I was saying, no, I want everybody to be more objective. But here's the truth. What I want is not dispassion. I want passion and facts are facts, you know, dates are dates, numbers are numbers, but I want the telling of it to be openly passionate because that gives me the power as the reader to discern do I get it? And this comes from a person who's sometimes to my husband's frustration, very open-minded. So I Mm. might not even agree, but he brings out the devil's advocate in me. And I have hard lines with some things. However, I'm always curious to challenge, as you said, challenge what's Mm. written and say is, but is that the experience of the person doing it? So even people on the other side of say a political spectrum to me, if they're not so in my face and hellfire, then I will take some time to think about how how did they get there? Is that is what I'm seeing the whole story? Probably not. Mm. And that's why I actually appreciate that way back when women who were true journalists were showing the humanity. And I think that's something that Dickie did mm-hmm. amazingly well, obviously, and not getting credit for doing this, but bringing the humanity to the story, which can, I don't want to say sway because it's not about gaining more influence, but just, I guess, that understanding mm-hmm. of how did we get here? If if history and the study of history is to learn from the past so that we can hopefully make better choices in the future, then taking that sort of empathetic thread out of it is not going to help. Right. Because what you, you have to erase stuff. As you guys have said, they've been, certain storylines have been erased completely. Right. And I think you also have to take into consideration
2: what is meant by objectivism. Mm-hmm. And what is meant by objectivism is 100% of the time what white males think about <laughs> a certain circumstance. And why is that? It's because they are never, well, I won't say never, but they are so often not affected by these circumstances, these situations, these impoverishments that are foisted on the rest of us, right? And so because they're somehow outside of these events, they're somehow objective. Well, a person who is living within these difficult circumstances is far more capable of telling you the truth about what's going on than someone looking in from the outside. Yes. And so that's what I really appreciate about Dicky's journalism and some other journalism that is that is happening today. I, I'm really concerned with journalism now and this isn't the purview of our conversation, and you can cut this out. But sorry, so I much brought of it, it up. Is controlled by corporate, you know, corporate sort of clickbait yeah. Yeah. monies. But 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 yeah, I mean, there are true journalists. There are incredibly important um, voices out there, and uh, so many of them are the women of. Are, are the voices of women, people of color, LGBT plus, um, LGBTQ plus people. Um, and I think these are really a lot of the voices that are telling
0: us the truth about what's going
2: on in these affected communities.
0: Mm. I think some of it and too if- is the being honest and mm. saying from the outset and ge- and giving a bit of respect to potential readers, yeah, right? And saying, it, we're not stupid. We can see when we see some of the outside of, of someone, or we see what sorts of, articles they've had, we know, we know where they are coming from, mm-hmm. right? So therefore we, and I say we, I'm generalizing again. But for the most part, I if I'm seeking them out, then that's, I want to hear their perspective mm-hmm. because we're not good at tamping down our actual thoughts and feelings and experiences. We bring that to everything. We always have. I love your point about the <laughs> objectivism not actually being objective, just being white male.
2: I yeah. Know. And I mean, Tracy, I'm really interested because basically what all these women did was they donned this costume, right? This guise of white male objectivism in order to get access to to that sort of, you know, world. Like, how did you feel about, I mean, that tactic in general? Like, I'm just curious, do you know?
1: I don't think I've thought of it that way. I, 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 I definitely think that, I don't know if everybody falls into that category. Certainly, you know Cathay Williams, who was a black soldier in the sure. Buffalo Soldier, and and I think that you know my book is about defiance. You know, mm-hmm. my book is about people being told that they can't do something and and finding a way to do it anyway and mm-hmm. circumventing the patriarchy however they can and and really freedom. Free- freedom of movement, literally freedom of movement, figuratively. And I guess I really relate to that. (laughs) I really relate to... Defiance, going my own way, which is why I'm so sucked in to Dickie Chappelle. Is it Chappelle? Chappelle?
2: It depends on where you're from. If you're from mm-hmm. Wisconsin, where she's from, it's Chappelle. But if you're oh. from anywhere else, it's Chappelle, which is That's so funny. Yeah. We have to talk after this because you
1: the, you have to go on Wisconsin Public Radio for, with this book. I, <laughs> know, I know some people over there. I do. I know oh, some I'd people over to. there. And they have a program called Chapter a Day where they read a cha- <gasps> a, 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 a section. I want to be on
2: Chapter a Day so- So much. I got to be on chapter a day.
1: I was so honored. And I'm gonna send an email after I'm done here about your book, because I think you should be on chapter a day. And it's interesting, (laughs) just to go back to the you were saying about biography, like, Mm. it's not like I'm like, "Mm, I can't wait to go read a biography, you know, so I, I probably wouldn't gravitate to it either. Although I do read a lot of nonfiction books, maybe I just don't think about things as biography or memoir, or like, just like putting it into this sort of restrictive box. I mm. mean, um, I don't even think of my book as biography, even though, of course, you're like, oh, yeah, it, it's, it is. Right. Like, yeah, it, it's 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 just not something I've ever used as a as a label. And my background is a comedy writer. Right. So it's just like mm. I have a lot of opinions. I'm a diehard feminist. I'm a funny person. And it's just like I want to tell people about mm. these books. Like I want them to question what they've been taught. Mm. And I've never heard of Dickie Chappelle until this book. Right. And so mm. it's like, why the fuck? Not. And Mm -hmm. like, same with people in my book. Why is nobody I've talked to in America heard of Ellen Craft before? Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. are you joking me? Uh, Ellen Craft for the listener, African-American woman, enslaved woman, light skin, mixed race. Um, disguised herself as a white male plantation owner to escape oh her, and traveled all the way from Georgia to free Philadelphia. Incredible, incredible story, mm-hmm. you know, but no, let's make a biography. Let's like a, make a biofilm about Ford and Ferrari. That's the movie <laughs> I want. That's what we need. I'm so excited
0: about that.
1: That's <laughs> um, So that was, I just talked all over the place. I just rambled all over but the place. I, but-,
0: but I love it. You, you know, what I liked in yours as well, was that you put in when the people you were talking about actually wrote their own words. So this Mm. is why I had that question before too. And why it's nice, even if at the time, like you'd said with Dorothy Lawrence, you know, they reviewed it and they were rude, whatever like that. Yeah. Let's not listen.
1: Those motherfuckers could have been on Goodreads. Have you read some of the reviews? Yeah, I know. Why like? Guess what? You don't read them. Yeah, don't. You don't don't go there. Just stay away.
0: But okay. it's nice to see, and and mm-hmm. the crafts wrote their own yes. story as well. So we've yes. got those, even if you don't go to the selected biographer or bibliography at the beginning, in each story you've got where these particular people have written their own story, which I think is really compelling. I want to hear it from. Yeah, and same with the transcripts that I,
1: I, I read through for Joan of Arc's trial and stuff like that. Yes. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. think people know a lot of, the reason I wanted to include Joan of Arc was because because a lot of people don't know that one of the main crimes that she was accused of was wearing men's clothes. Most people just think, oh, they thought she was a heretic. You know, she, she,
2: she, I don't know. I don't know what people think. I I, I don't think people think about it at all. I didn't. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, she fought in a war and she was captured by the people who she was fighting against. So whatever. They burned her at stake. Yeah. Like not that they, you know, wore men's clothes like I would never wore men's
1: clothes and, you know, said that she talked to angels and that's Mm -hmm. where she got her messages from or whatever, which a lot of people can call divine inspiration, let's say, like Mm because she was right. Everything things she planned and all the plans she made and the ways that she helped them, like they triumphed because of her, like she mm-hmm. was right. So, Oh, like she's the witch, you know, burner at the stake or whatever. They didn't say witch. I'm just, but I wanted to, for people that did know her story or who were exposed to a telling a version of her story, I wanted people to, to know that, you know, they said, you know, one of the main crimes is you wear these men's clothes. And she said, okay, I'll take the men's clothes off and uh, I'll stop talking to God. And they were like, great you will just be put into prison. She wasn't originally sentenced to death. And then she put the men's clothes back on. And many people are saying that the reason she did that was to prevent herself from being sexually assaulted in the jail when she was being held. And so I I, I quote, you know, some things that she was quoted as saying that's in the transcription of when she went back into the, the courtroom and they were like, too late, you're dead, go away. You know, they didn't care what she had to say. So It's like a reframing of people that are possibly, you know, famous Mm -hmm. and just telling it from like just reframing. That wasn't a great sentence, whatever.
2: It made sense to me. And yeah. I just also want to add, I don't know if you've all watched that or heard about that interview that David McCullough did with 60 Minutes where he was talking about how historically illiterate the United States is. And I have no doubt that he's correct. But I also think that history has been taught in the same way for so long. And it no longer reflects the actual makeup of the United States. And it no longer like reflects the accuracy of history right it probably never did yeah. It's never, it say, never, it never did. did we're waking up did. but it, we it are reflected this up. narrative this mythology yeah that, you know the ruling class which was a very small group of white christian males wanted to believe right and they're no longer the majority they just hold the the power and they're you know grasping onto that with their like you know, nails, <laughs> so tooth and nail, but and I, I just think that people who are younger, younger folks, kind of can sense that it's fake, that it's a lie, that it doesn't mm-hmm. apply to their lives, that it doesn't make sense to them, and therefore they are understandably disengaged. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about <clears throat> your book, Tracy, <clears throat> and that's what I'm excited to do, which is to tell histories that have been forgotten but are important in ways that are appealing to a larger group of, of, of people. And so. that
1: people can see themselves in. People can exactly. see themselves in, and relate to these stories. People reach out to, readers reach out to me all the time, right? And, and I'm sure you're going to have the same thing with this book now that it's in the world. And so it's like, it's it's not even that they were forgotten. I mean, I'm mm. not trying to cor- correct you. I'm saying I, I'm, I'm unburying. We are unburying things mm. that should have never been allowed to be buried because exactly. they happened. They existed. You mm-hmm. know, they were allowed
0: to be forgotten.
1: Legacy were allowed to go unlegacified you guys
0: <laughs> Gosh, <that's a laughs> I add it to the add it to the dictionary it's something yeah.
1: that I'm trying to address in my work and I'm coming at it from a completely different background than Larissa you know which is my background is is a comedy writer is a comedian uh, uh, you know but I'm saying these should have never been buried in the first place and who who gets to tell us mm-hmm. who deserves to have a legacy and I'm mm-hmm. saying are you joking me? Like These are people like I'm working on my next book right now. So I am fired up. And I'm so excited <laughs> yeah, that you good. I'm so excited that you sold your next book because we are out to market right now with my next book and we haven't landed anywhere yet. And I'm just so chomping at the bit because it is definitely a companion piece to Frank. And I'm I, I, I don't I want to talk. I I get too superstitious or whatever, but like I've been doing a lot of reading about like architecture and women in architecture. And my book is not about architecture, but I'm just going (laughs) to say that. But like the things that I'm reading about women that not too long ago was, they were in school, like in university, like studying architecture or saying, there's no women in the curriculum. So if you go to these classes, if you go to your whole fucking university education and you don't question what's being presented, you'll think that women are not architects. Like the thing are not, they did not yeah. contribute. I get really, you guys, I get yeah. wound up. <laughs> so you yeah. would think that there's, there is no place they didn't do anything substantial or innovative. Well, that's just not the case. That is just mm. not the case. Mm. And so thank goodness we are... They're like I think we are in a moment where mm-hmm. it's like we're waking up and saying no, no, let's like let's question what we've been told literally our entire
0: lives. I you think know? it's no. two things with what you're talking about. One is this hidden history, right? So much we've we've looked at. It's like looking at I don't know the universe, and we have that recognition that most of it we haven't seen. And I think yeah. that's the truth for history because the another majority- analogy
1: is we only they suppose that we only use 5% of our brain. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, and, that, and that's how much we know. But but this other part of, of going in and challenging so that we can actually be sharing more of history, I won't say the true history, but more of the history that was out there in an engaging way that makes people want to start the book and continue the book, right? Well, so Jeanette, I know you'd like to talk
2: about like writers processes, So I just stuff, wanted to share yeah. (laughs) like my journey to selling this next book, which was I had written a whole book proposal, you know, like the whole 100 pages the whole thing and my editor passed on it and it was a history of the cassette tape which I told you about last time yeah and I still plan on writing it and selling it another day but what happened was she was like you write narrative biographies of women like give me more of that that's what we're doing and this is the Mm. book publishing world and I'm like fine I would love to write another one of these that was fun let's do it again and so what I did was I just like and maybe this will expose me as a dilettante, but that's okay, because I am. But I went into like a number of compendiums of women's archives that were built in the 90s, right? These Like internet sites built in the 90s, and you can tell that they are just totally falling apart and the design is non existent. And I found 10 women who have incredible legacies, who helped shape the world in which we live and do not have a serious sort of large scale biography written about them. And their papers, their writings, their art, their everything is just hidden away in these, you know, middle America university archives just waiting there. And so when you talk about hidden histories, yeah, they're hidden, but they're right there. Yeah, And I'm really excited actually right now. I think it's almost like and a gold rush, right? Like people want to read women's histories. Women want to read women's histories. Women want to see themselves on the page. And there is so much material out there for folks like me and for folks like Tracy and other historians, other biographers to go out and just, you know, write these stories that have been hidden away for far too long.
1: I mean, I, I hope you're right because <laughs> I'm like waiting for my sale and uh, <laughs> come I, come hope, I hope our I hope our books aren't the same book.
2: <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, no. I'm just writing about one woman. I wrote okay, then I had to write, I wrote set we present, I wrote 10 pitches, oh my like let little. One one second, you chose
1: 10 and then they chose the one they wanted and you're going to f- write that one person yeah okay great I'm going to do another compendium it's okay, going to be yeah, different yeah. than frank and yeah. uh, I mean whatever we can talk after off off <laughs> the air but <laughs> I'm the the air. just like I the thing that I bring to the table which I'm aware of right and with this it's so funny that you talk about your editor and your because my editor uh, my editor left left and um and then the imprint folded so I'm oh like that's, really? that's why we are that's why we are out to everybody and because, yeah, I like, you know, cut this out. It's, you know, this is just inside <laughs> business shit. Yeah, but... but this is
0: what we want to talk about, by the way, to tell okay. people. Okay, great. There's great, great, no great. perfect path to publication. No, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Listen, and
1: I don't know. And what's great is that I had the, the gift, I mean, being ignorant and coming from a completely different industry and a completely different background, you know, my career has been a whole bunch of like, I, you know, uh, so the career said, do you want to turn left? And I was like, well, I was planning to go right, but I'll turn left. I mean, that's my <laughs> whole career. And it's been like, and it's been an adventure, you know what I mean? But now I'm in love with books. So it's like, here I am. Sorry, I'm all over the place. I want to go back to something you said, which is, you know, you, you presented this cassette tape or whatever, and then Your editor said, look, this is what this is what you do. And this is what we want. And I just I love that because, you know, my agent is just like saying, you know, Tracy, you know, we're building your brand. And of course, I'm like, ah, like, wow. But it's like, (laughs) but it's the thing is, is that I'm very passionate about my voice. And like, Mm. my voice is very, it's Tracy, you know what I mean? And and listen, it's not for everybody. I'll tell you what, but you know, (laughs) I think the most people really like it and think it's funny and engaging. And so it's just like, if that's your superpower, right? Like, what's your superpower? It's just like, go with it. And so. I tell these women's stories in in a very in my own way. nobody does it. nobody does it this way, you know and mm-hmm. like that's so it's just like, yes, I love to research and I love to dig stuff up and I love mm-hmm. to unearth right and present in a way that is surprising. And so that's what I'm trying to do. you know, did I make my point? <laughs>
0: I, th- I think you did. I think the I think point. Did. Yeah, I okay. think the point is each of you is is coming at it. And what you raised for me that I think is relevant to every writer is this constant balance. I think I just read something that Matthew Quick, who's probably one of the only male authors that I reference, not to say I don't read male authors, but by and large I don't read. I read male
2: them authors. all when I was in my twenties. I did it. I read Faulkner. I read Hemingway. I read them all. I don't need to You're read like, anymore. Well, I now read I got I I will never give up on George Saunders. You know, he's the best man. You know, there are exceptions to the rule. He's honestly
1: not even a man. He's a special little beautiful alien. (laughs) And we're all
0: lucky that he exists. Let's be honest. Exactly. But I think one thing that he brought up that I thought is really hard. Here's the thing. There's the creative in you. There's that art that you have, whether you think of yourself as as more of a researcher, analytical writer, but you're still an artist and a creative. And then there's the practical because the truth is that publishing is a business And sometimes the business goes well and sometimes it doesn't go well. And so the choices that publishers make, this is why I tell writers, you can't take it personally because if it's personal, it's personal kind of about them. One thing you'd said, Tracy, and because you are within the entertainment industry as a whole, there had been until recently and more women have been breaking out and producing and directing and things like that, there was this overarching feeling that nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see a movie with all women. Hey, same with if, if you're a person of color. Uh, nobody mm-hmm. wants to see a film that just has Asian characters. Which right. is all lies
1: because every
0: is... single time it happens it's it about blocks, a,
2: a blockbuster it success. It and then the audience which They deny the that it happened. Then they deny that it happened. Or again it's and like it's
0: just an exception to the rule. Yes. And I think what you're proving and what you'd said too, Larissa, is women want to read women's stories. Mm-hmm. Women who, by the way, buy more books and are more in publishing, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily at the top of publishing still which is right. whatever. I can get yeah. on the soapbox too, but I try I <laughs> not to. But I feel like I, why I in resonate in terms with your of the, writing. For in terms of the you. people that
1: buy more books, I mean, what I've noticed in this last year, of now, my new foray into publish, the world of publishing is, man, uh, people love novels. They uh, they love themselves some <laughs> fiction, guys. I mean, there's people that won't even read a nonfiction book, like in terms of these Bookstagram, Instagram people, you know, and so I'm like, I, I can write fiction. Like part of me feels it as a challenge, you know what I mean? Like yes. I do want to write write a novel and I do want to climb the mountain because it is going to be a mountain. It is going to be, you know, I made a joke to my friend the other day, like I I did a really steep hike. I did a hike. And so I think I'm going to climb a Kilimanjaro. Like that's what it's (laughs) like. You, It's like I wrote, let me be Frank. And now it's like, I'm going to be like, I should write a novel. And I just, and not that I'm saying I can't do it, but it is a different animal. And yeah, it's so funny because you, you learn pretty quickly because I sold Frank on a proposal like Larissa mentioned, you know, the proposal and I had three or four sample chapters and we put together this whole thing and we sold it, you know, two weeks after taking it out, we sold it really fast. And so I was like, look, I love books. This is amazing. <laughs> but you know, if you want to sell a novel, guess what? You have to write the whole the whole thing. thing. And nobody outside of publishing knows this. Like nobody, because all my friends are like, tell me what? So, you know, so I'm like, guess what? I have news (laughs) to report. So if I want to sell a novel, I'm going to have to write that thing. And I think to myself, but the reason I could write Frank is because someone paid me, they paid me money. And Mm -hmm. I, and then I was like, okay, this is my job. And I'm going to sit down and write it. You know, not everybody, uh, I just can't believe people have the time to sit and write a novel.
2: (laughs) Well, and this is tangential. But like, this is a big problem for me as a, as a reader of fiction, right? The only way that you can write a novel practically is if you go through the academic system, right? If you go to college and you go to MFA and then you get, publish a book, then you publish your MFA thesis or what have you as your novel. And then you get a job as a professor teaching fiction writing. A novel
0: writing. Oh my god! Right? But well, I mean, is- there are lots of exceptions. I've only sold people who don't reflect that. Yes. So it's possible, but you're right. And and again, this is men do it too, but women feel more of the pressure. Most of the, the women, not only that I represent, but that I'm friends with in my network who've mm-hmm. written multiple novels, most of them have a day job. Yeah, have a day some, job. So that's I just how that's honestly, the getting like,
1: paid. I'm I'm like literally like uh, I I'm just I, I'm I'm in awe, you know what I mean? Because my brain like to to have a job, like and to have your energy spent <laughs> in that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been really lucky that I've made a living for decades, you know, with my with my art and my my life. Even though it's a life full of pivoting, I've been really fortunate. And so in terms of like having a day job, you know, to me seems like, I mean, some days it seems incredibly uh, attractive because (laughs) I, I'm on strike with the Writers Guild right now Mm. and I'm scared. A lot of us are really nervous. Although we are completely fueled by fury and resolve and Mm -hmm. we know that we're going to win this. Mm. I can tell you unequivocally, but in terms of the instability of the income and like, what are we going to do? And a lot of, a lot of us are like, okay, I'm going to need some work soon. And it's like, I'm like, I need to sell this book, you know, and I'm waiting on a couple of grants, which would be amazing, mm-hmm. because then I don't have to worry about when or if the, the sale, I could just start, I could just be like, okay, I've got money that is coming in. I could just take that stress off of my mm-hmm. plate in terms mm-hmm. of buying myself time. This is, we're getting into the nitty gritty of it is with true. this podcast. This is,
0: this is the real talk. And mm-hmm. I guess what I was saying before that I've talked about with Matthew Quick For me I'm always going to champion and support the creative so I even take a different route than most agents would and I'm I'm going to tell you it's true that you do better, but it's not a it's not a guarantee. There are no guarantees. It's better if you have a brand and you can perform at a level, i.e. whether it's novel writing or doing these compendiums or whatever, and you're building a brand and a publisher, they can say, write this and you write that. Mm-hmm. But that energy is very different. I want a writer to write what they need to write because generally if they feel passionate and, and compelled to write it, I'm going to enjoy reading it better. There is that alchemical process that happens with it. If you can find that similar to what you had and I had talked about before, Larissa, if you can find that good place, and I like it how you used a funnel really Mm -hmm. of like prepping 10 different possibilities. I'm kind of happy with that. And this is my middle ground. I can do it. And in nonfiction, I would say, some people say, Oh, that's easy. You just do the research and then you write it. You're not really, that's, that's, that's just BS. Mm-hmm. What you did, especially with Dickie's story is you you made it a story, which is what I told you on our last podcast. It made it compulsive reading. That could have been a novel, but it wasn't. It was, it was based on this real woman who did all these things. Mm-hmm. Finding that place for you no matter what and piecing together things however you need to as a creative yeah. to do the work you want to do. That's what I would wish. Sometimes it means you write a thing You've got the cassette history of the cassette tape. That'll that'll go at some point. And I love that you just sort of have that and hold on to yeah. it. And you already know you said, I'm going to do that. It's going to be a book. And that but- in the yeah. meantime, this, this is what I'll do. And everyone has to show up in whatever mm-hmm. the way they can. Some of us are really great at pivoting and others of us aren't. But by the way, even normal nine to five jobs, if somebody Absolutely. tries to tell you yeah. that's super guaranteed, it's like, oh, I guarantee you there will be no earthquakes in California. Well, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there will be earthquakes.
1: Well, California. yeah, I was thinking about going back to school. Actually, I was like, okay, I should get my MFA in creative writing. And then I'll be able to teach while I'm writing my books. And my friends who are uh
2: <laughs> prof. This is what I just said, They're they like, were like, Tracy, no. they were like,
1: Tracy, there's no jobs. Like there's no jobs. Yeah. So I actually was like, well, I don't want to spend two years and money and everything when I could just be again, yeah. going, Hey, what's your superpower? You, you've got your superpowers you don't need mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's just that I get afraid it's fear based thinking I'll mm. tell you right now and I know everybody listening yeah. to this if you're a creative person you know exactly what I'm talking about I'm very lucky that I had the idea for my second book one week after selling the first book and I mm. knew I was like this is what the book is and so throughout <laughs> the year of writing finish finishing writing Frank I kept stuff kept coming up in the ether and and you know what I mean like it just yes. kept, and I just had this document and I just kept plugging into the next book document and I was just like I'm I feel so natural. It feels like such flow. It feels so I'm so excited about it that I, to me, it does, it's not even a possibility this isn't going to be a book. So it's frustrating because Frank sold so fast. You know yes, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I knew going in, I was like, Tracy, it's not going to sell as fast. It doesn't have as much of a hook. It does have a hook, but it doesn't have a let me be Frank. I mean, the title and the subject matter, it's like a hook. It's a bit, It's yeah.
0: quite a hook. You know what I mean? It's got a great subtitle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've got a great log line. And mm-hmm. I would say this even to writers of, of long form, as opposed to those who write for scroll having that log line, having that high concept pitch can be great. But you will find, as you found, Tracy, sometimes it naturally comes and it's an easier sell. And other times it's not quite so neatly boxed up. But look, both of you are examples of writing about people who don't fit neatly in a box. So, yeah. Yeah. I just also want to say, like,
2: in regard to this conversation of pivoting as a creative person, I hope I can track my own thoughts. But what I've been thinking about a lot lately is you can have your dreams, but you have to be willing to change your dream, right? Yeah. You have to be willing to embrace the reality that you have. And also, So many times as a creator, and Tracy, I'll be curious if you experience this as well, but so often getting told no can be such a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm really glad that I didn't that I'm not writing cassette tape book right now like it is a is so research heavy and it will require me to do a lot of research like a lot of original research reaching out to people interviewing them it's a global book these people don't all speak english i don't speak any other languages i will need a translator like this is a book that will require me to be all in all the time and i have two small children there one and three and my family my stepfather <laughs> just passed away so like we're going through a morning period as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other changes are happening. I could not have done a good job writing that book. The book that I sold is absolutely a book that I can write and write well and I am excited to write. And I think as you're going through your 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 creative life, whether or not it's true, it's important to trust your intuition and that it will guide you to the correct path. Because absolutely. my in my life, like I was a waitress for years. I was a real estate agent for years. I was a contemporary art curator. Like none of this adds up to a biographer, right? A historian. (laughs) And yet here I am. And in the end, all of these sort of seemingly random experiences make me the writer that I have become and that I really like. Yes. So, you know, if you are like, if you are a writer and you feel like you've gotten off path, just realize that not the, the best path is not always the, the shortest path. Mm, right. <laughs> so I vibed with everything that you were you were just saying, because here's
1: the thing, you don't even know this because it's not in the book and we haven't spoken about this, but let me be frank, was born out of Virginia. I mean, it's literally a failed TV pitch. Wow. I had this whole pitch to do an anthology series. It was a very ambitious pitch. And I knew that it was ambitious because it's hard to sell an anthology television series. People continually tell you that they don't want to do them, even though they continue to buy them and put them on the air. But it's expensive when there's different time periods and each episode is self-contained. And I just had this fantastic pitch and we did not sell it. And that's not a surprise to me, but I had done all this research and I had all these women and they were like my people. They mm. were my sisters. And I sat on the couch so sad and depressed thinking, I don't want to let them go. Well, what can I do here? And I've never had the thought, maybe I could write a book. Never once, not once. Okay. Mm. I was firmly deep in my forties when I had that thought for the first time. And that is amazing because I said, I didn't say, I write a book. I'm a booker. I said, I can't let these women go. I can't let them down. Maybe there's something here. And I literally, uh, the, the gift of ignorance, right? So I just started writing. I just started writing and I started to write in the only voice that I knew, the voice that I thought was the right voice, which was my voice. And because I started on stage as a comedian and my whole thing, when I was a comedian, I looked like I was 17 when I started, like I looked very young as we've established, I'm very young looking. <laughs> anyway, and so I would come out and I would just turn things on their head in a very feminist in your face way. That was my whole brand, if you will, yeah. right? And so it makes total sense that this is the this is the voice that I'm writing with now about feminist things and trying to shake people up and saying, "Hey, hey, hey, you over there, listen to this." But that only happened because I failed. I failed to set this up as a TV mm-hmm. project and I didn't and I and and like you said, "Oh, I had this dream." Well, the dream didn't happen okay, but there's other, there's other, there's other things. There's other ways. There's other paths. Right. Yeah. And so I give this whole talk on this podcast about, you know, uh, rejection is protection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like rejection, rejection, uh, 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 uh Rue McClanahan, there's this clip going around Instagram right now where, where her mother said to her every kick, she was accepting an Emmy award in the eighties from the golden girls, you know, Rue McClanahan. Yes. Yes. And, uh, she had been told by this talent agency that she wasn't pretty enough. She would never get work in television and they rejected her. Right. And her mother who, who sa- said to her, you know, now, don't you realize that every kick is a boost and I just started to cry because oh my god if you let it if yeah. you let it be a boost because if you're if you're firm and you're rigid and you say no it has to go this way and you get a kick guess what's happening you're not moving but if yeah. you're pliable and you're flexible and someone kicks you you're gonna move yeah right I yeah. wish I could have visual for the for the listener right now yeah. because <laughs> if you if you are kicked and you let yourself be moved it is a boost. And I feel that way about the writers' guild strike right now. I feel that way about why Frank was able to come into the world. And my job is to stay engaged and passionate and excited about this book project that we haven't sold yet. And to know, I just know in my heart that it has to that it has to be right. So, and well, I, I don't think of myself as as deluded, even though, of course, I think we all have, to have a little bit of delusion. <laughs> you have to be delusional. You have to, you have to be delusional, you to. delusional you to. to make it. You know? Yeah, you have to
0: be delusional paired with the goods and action, right? So yes, it's really funny. And just for a second, I will say if anyone talks or thinks about law of attraction, this sort of thing is Mm -hmm. exactly what works about it, which is if you stay too attached to the how it will happen, Mm -hmm. you may be missing out on the way it should be manifest. So whatever you're creating, like you were talking about, Tracy, this is the way you were going. And by the way, it's hilarious because I had been thinking to myself, God, I wonder if she's like thought about pitching this as a series. Because when I read it, when I thought, oh my God, the production costs would probably be so high and it would be a hard sell, but man, it really lends itself to it. So you got that through your writing. We are in
1: talks with different people, but we had to stop all talks because it's against strict rules. And so because I'm not just an author, I'm a TV writer, you know what I mean? So if I was just an author, you could sort of get around it, but it's like, I'm not right. So uh, just Uh, just so you know, I am working on it because I want as many people as
0: possible to, to know these women. Like, again, that's mm -hmm. what you guys have each described and what we were talking about. If we talk about even the the law of attraction, which is not, I wish for something, but I'm going to just sit on myself. I need a sandwich. Mm -hmm. You take Mm -hmm. action, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You, yeah. (laughs) Sandwiches are good. I have to admit, but (laughs) being open to letting the universe show you the way through. So, and sometimes you have to surrender and say the way that i wanted it to play out is not but what i want everyone to know even before they've read your books is that your books are literally about that process the women that you are highlighting and bringing into modern history by retelling their stories are all examples of being kicked Mm -hmm. and letting those kicks be a boost, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Rusty jumps out at me from Mm. your stories and I can't pronounce her surname, but I thought- Rusty Kanakogi. Kanakogi. She was such a badass. And I think for somebody who also didn't fit the feminine ideal and all of that stuff, she was just from the outside for all the people around her, wrong in all the ways. And she really came to life for me. Like I could see her walking around in the world, and that point where she's given back these, this initial, these initial accolades, awards, medals that she won, and given them back, like dropped me. <laughs> yeah. I'm nothing like her in terms of things that I find interesting in the way I move around in the world. But all of these women are women who wouldn't let the way of the world stop them from the direction they wanted to go. So it's more of like have this general direction, but give it up to Mm -hmm. the way it manifests in the world is going to be for my own good. And what you just described to Larissa is absolutely true, right? Mm -hmm. And recognizing, yes, I have this passion, but you don't have to douse it. You don't have to, you know, drench that flame. You just say, ah, that's why it's Mm -hmm. not working. I'm getting the closed doors right now. And right now, honestly, You couldn't do it. If it's sold, you couldn't get started on it as part of yes, this. You could, you yes, can, I could. You're just like no,
1: no, no. The book I can, so- you I, can I, do I, that part. You can do all books. You anything
0: in the book world. Okay. Uh, the Writers Guild is just screen stuff. But I just no. still think there's going to be a reason. But we only know reasons after. And by the way, two weeks. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. Of course it does. You had that experience. But I've also sold books two years mm. after they first got a rejection to the same publisher that rejected it, like literally the individual publisher at the bigger publisher, uh, because crazy. things were just different. So yeah. if you have this goal, this will be out there. This this is the direction it must go. And you hold on to that as that creative force. You it's can so funny because- We, you know, we, the proposal I thought was really badass
1: and really great. And then we started taking it out or whatever. And then we had someone express interest and because, and she said, you know, I really think to, to bring it to my, to the higher ups, you know, like this, this, and this, like, what do you think? And I say, Oh, that's a great idea. Like some feedback. Mm. Right. And so then I did some, it's like, it's so much better now, The proposal is like, and it's because, Mm. so it's like, I didn't, I wouldn't have known that without that information. And then it inspired it to, so it's like the brand new, it's brand new, like this week, this new version of it. And it's, it's the same thing. It's just, Better and deeper, and has yeah. more elements that that will lean into a more designed book. You know, like Frank is 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 quite designed, but like there's certain there's certain editors, certain publish publishers that are very design heavy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like yeah. the gift book category, like yes. amazing women, but it's just like uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. And I so we have two versions of the of the of the proposal now, which I think is really interesting. And I've been told it can be quite strong, which is like I'm not married to one way to make this book. Yeah. I just want to make this book like Mm. I want to tell these women's stories and I know the voice that it eventually comes in will be mine but in terms of like illustrated not illustrated heavy design not heavy design like longer chapters, shorter chapters. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm open because my thing is I just want to make it. Like I just want to make it. And so we'll see well, and- you guys. <laughs> and just to
2: piggyback on that, like, you know, there is this myth that books are written alone. Books are not mm. written alone. Yeah. Like I my agent has a lot of his hand in my book, right? Because as a first time author, I had to, as you did, Tracy, write those three sample chapters. And you know, my agent edited those chapters and really helped me. Okay. Of course. And then there's, you know, my editors. Uh, the The book that I presented was twice as long as the book is uh, that is published. So that's a lot of,
1: it. yeah. I already thought surprise face, surprise, surprise face, I mean, face already Tracy. big.
2: <laughs> she was so sweet. She was like, "This is great, but I think we can. I think we can cut it. I think we can find." different threads to follow you know so she was very sweet about it, looking back but then there are the copy editors and the proofreaders and they all have their hands on the the sensitivity reader for me I don't know if you had
1: one but there's the seven sensitivity reader which is really amazing no Mm -hmm. matter how Progressive and inclusive, you think that you are and work so yes. hard to be. And that's, there's, that's is
2: huge. It's a huge yeah. deal in the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then by the way, there's the lawyers, right? The lawyers <laughs> also read the book. And so yeah. their hand is in there. And so what's been, really been crucial for me is all my collaborators in writing uh, First the Front have been. Incredible, and Tracy, as your you feel your pitch is improved by a you know this a- editor. My book has been improved by all these many hands mm-hmm. on it, and so as a as a writer or any creator, you know, be open to collaboration, and oh, it's yeah. part of the process. But also be like really careful about who you're collaborating with, and definitely yes. stay true to your own voice. Absolutely, like if absolutely. Doesn't ring true? Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But as I've heard from different People in publishing, there are. I, I just had a, a friendly editor person say, you know, about complimenting me on being flexible. They were like, you know, you wouldn't believe like some authors are very like, it has to be this way. And it's like this way or no way. And I'm just like, maybe it's just like me being someone that's had to work. I mean, in script Mm -hmm. development for so long, it's like, you can't, it's, you're never going to get, you're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to collaborate because you're working for a studio and it's very, and so for me, I think part of me is like, I, 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 I like it. Because I think, generally speaking, I think I can ascertain this is a good note, or this is not a good note, or mm-hmm. I'll go down this road and I'll look at this note and I'll, and I'm, and then at the end of that road, I'll go. No, actually, it's not going to work. It's like these are things that are going to improve me. You know what I mean? Yes. And if it doesn't feel right, like you're saying, Larissa, then you don't. Then you don't do it. But going, being rigid and thinking that you've got all the answers or that you are going to no, that's not going to that's not going to make for a good partnership. People aren't going to enjoy it. People aren't going to work want to work with you they're Isn't not going to want to work with you, you yeah. know? And so, yeah. I mean, if anybody's got some high paying work for a funny writer with <laughs> research qualities, please contact, please contact me via my uh, website, Tracy because because uh, I'm very talented and I need employment.
0: A hundred percent. Look, I think we will wrap it up here. So we don't go too long. I'll have to do a little bit of cutting, but honestly, I knew we were going to go over. I was like, we're yes. going to get going and we're going to we'll like- never stop. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to
2: stop. I just want to like get another cup of I want to get a glass of wine and keep chatting with you. Okay, (laughs) well, I don't want to stop. I mean, I, I don't want to stop by th-
0: and say this. Is- <laughs> oh, no, I got to go. I actually have yes, to go you do to my and well, it work, but even, I, this is so it does work. We can lovely. even say, let's put another pin in this. You both are invited back onto this podcast mm. anytime you are want to do it. And with any topic you want to discuss, that's really part of the point of this is to demystify some of mm. this process so that as writers, number one, it unlocks certain things that before you're in That process, you don't even know this is a thing that goes on. But also to your point, Larissa, about writing, there's only a little tiny part of it that is you on your own. Mm -hmm. And all of the other parts are actually, it's really important to reach out and be part of community. And even if you're just doing it on a very passive sort of part of the process, listening to podcasts, getting the opportunity to hear writers write from their own mouths, talk Mm -hmm. about what they feel and experience, what they've learned. What's really working for them and what doesn't, I think is... Paramount. So that's why it's unscripted. I can't tell what kind of conversations we're going to have. I just always think it's going to be good because I talk to writers all the time. I mean, there are no better conversations. So hopefully, each of you will come back for anybody who, of course, has listened. You already have heard, hopefully, about Larissa's new book that's just come out and she is on like a promo super train, whirlwind. It's amazing. Hopefully, eventually, it'll slow down. But first to the (laughs) the story of Dickie Chappelle and then the untold story, the untold story of Dickie trailblazing
1: female war correspondent. It's so good. Go and get it immediately.
0: Yes, it really is. Especially if you think, oh, I don't really read biography, you know, branch out, even if you love fiction. read some nonfiction. And Tracy's book absolutely had me. I think the difference would be you can read Tracy's in bite-sized chunks if that's all your schedule will allow. It's amazing. I've heard people say, I read
1: this in a weekend. And then I've had people say I had to go slow because it was such a nice compliment to
0: say they were trying to make it last and like stretch it out. Any which way you can devour it, do that. <laughs> Pick up these books and please share all of these books <laughs> by female authors authors with the men and the boys in your life so they can get an idea that women have been around doing other things other than just in the kitchen and whatnot. Thank you both so much for chatting today. Thank you, Thank you so I much. You. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Writers Talking. Join us next time for more Writers in Conversation as we delve into the writers' process, their passions, and a little bit about their books. Don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast player and follow us on Instagram at writers underscore talking underscore podcast.